Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Megan Weir. Megan and I have been in a number of masterminds together over the past year. And I have loved getting to know her more and the work that she's doing and really understanding how powerful her work is and how much it is needed. Megan is a spiritual success coach. She is highly trained, trauma-informed life and success coach, NLP, EFT, and time techniques, practitioner, hypnotherapist, and retreat leader, and retired addictions nurse. She is the founder of Soul Alchemy, focusing on embodiment practices, creating a transformational container using ancient and modern healing tools and self-inquiry. She guides her clients into transforming their pain into their soul's purpose and transcend by sharing their innate gifts with the world. We dove in deep on all things, our gifts, overcoming our traumas, what it's doing in our bodies, how we can respect our boundaries and what we need and how to really not just embrace our shadows, but embrace our light and learning how to recognize the signs of when we are self-sabotaging and how we are doing it in a sense that we are avoiding our light. It's almost this space of avoiding the success that we have, that we are capable of creating. She talks about the step-by-step process that she takes clients through of releasing, healing, alchemizing, and ascending, and how those steps are so important if you're going to create lasting transformational change in your body and in your life, which is going to allow you to use the gifts that you have in order to make the impact in the world that only you can make. And you know how I feel about gifts and us all stepping into our gifts. So I am thrilled to have this conversation and share it with you. Welcome to the show today, Megan. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Now, we have been in a number of similar coaching groups over the past year, and I have seen you post on social media and how you share, and I'm so excited to have you here today to share with the audience. So on that, let's start. Where are you from? I'm from Vancouver Island, a small, well, not so small anymore, a town called Nanaimo in Canada. Beautiful, beautiful. I am on the other side, not as far as the other coast, but in Ontario. So I just, I've only been to Vancouver once and absolutely loved it. It's just beautiful out there. Oh, it is. It is a beautiful, it's a rainforest and it's gorgeous and four seasons and it's just a beautiful place to live. Very grateful to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Are you a reader? And if you are, do you, could you share with us the most impactful book 
you have read? Oh, that is a tough question. I am definitely a reader. I am a sponge, as my husband calls me. I'd have to say Reclaim Your Power by Mastin Kip was a huge read for me. Love that book. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Big Leap is my go-to because I often, uh, you know, face the upper limiting. So it's always a great refresher. So those two books have been a huge impact in my life. Beautiful. Many others, but yeah. It's hard to narrow it down. And this is the thing I'll ask you some questions, but it's just go with that first gut. I love it. The big leap I try and read once a year. It's my reminder of, because we always face upper limiting um, beliefs and Mastin Kip's work. I love his work. I love his work and how he, shares. And sometimes I just go down a Mastin Kip rabbit hole and listen to a whole bunch of podcasts at once, but I do absolutely love his work. And that doesn't surprise me all that you do, but he's very much all about trauma healing and so powerful. Yeah. On that, do you, my go-to, Oh, he's your Mm go-to. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely love his work. On that, do you have a quote or a mantra or something that grounds you or describes who you are? Well, a mantra, one that I recite daily, well, maybe not daily, but uh, run towards your shadows and you'll be set free is something like that's my motto. Mm-hmm. That is that something that really motivates me to continue to uh, move forward on my healing journey. And also I use it with my clients and students just to hold space for them um, because oftentimes it's our shadowy parts, that darkness that we're afraid of, but in all reality, it's actually our light that we're most afraid of. Okay. So I have to ask because I love that you said that. And I want to know what is it about our light that scares us? That infinite power that we have, um, you know, I, I, and this really stems into my story, but, you know, we are brought up as this beautiful, innocent spirit, this beautiful, innocent soul. And we have this light ignited within us. And then due to our upbringing and society and all these stories and beliefs that are instilled in us, it separates us from our truth and our light. And so it becomes the norm to start to dim that because we are separate from our truth in that right so Mm -hmm. I think we're the most powerful when we were first born up until our seven years and it's when you know life gets our hands on us that we start to dim our lights because that's when we're in our power that's when we really are so inspired by who we are and then as we grow up we become disconnected and it's that old story that's playing, like, don't go back to that little person that you once were that was so ignited um, because you've been told to dim your light. You've been told to be a certain way, right? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I can think of, like, I was actually just talking about this with somebody yesterday and they posted a reel and it was about this little girl who had so much like attitude and she was dancing and she was, I'm just like, I loved it, but I could see me. That was me. Like that was definitely me. And I can't tell you how many times I was told you're just too much. Like you're too much. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what too much means, but it sounds bad. Like it just sounded bad, but it's Mm -hmm. just who I was. So I love that you said that because I think that that is something that everyone can relate to. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You're too much. You're too sensitive. You know, don't, Aussie. don't be <laughs> yeah. all these things that we were told that we are when really these are our gifts. Right. And mm-hmm. then so we learn slowly to dim our light because that's not the norm. That's not how we should be. Mm-hmm. Right. So we lose our light. And then that belief on a subconscious level is there that it's like it blocks us from wanting to tap back into that light because it feels unsafe right it feels Mm -hmm. uncertain Mm -hmm. okay so obviously let's take that right there because that is like a perfect segue um the light actually feels unsafe and so we stay away from it yet it's almost that we're constantly being called to go towards it because we know like it's like subconsciously we know there's something there for us but it's too scary to do it. So you can obviously, this is part of your story. So take us back to any point in your story where you can vividly remember like running from that light or avoiding that light. Mm-hmm. Well, growing up, I mean, I am, I am highly sensitive, empath, intuitive. Um, and growing up, I was very sensitive to the energy around me. I had some pretty wild experiences Mm-hmm. And then I learned, um, I feel like there's many layers, but I, I feel like I disconnected due to several reasons. One of them being that I was told that I was too sensitive uh, to not take things so personally. And also um, I experienced uh, some trauma as a child, sexual trauma. So that also created that disconnect. So I didn't Mm -hmm. want to be in my physical body anymore. So that is a result of wanting to disconnect from my light because it felt unsafe on an energetic level. It felt unsafe on a physical level. And um, that's where that detachment, that disconnect started was at a very young age when I was five. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I, I thank you for sharing that with us. Because that, I think with your story there, gives a really clear picture of why it felt so unsafe to be, Mm -hmm. to even go back to that space. So this trauma happens when you're five, you start to disconnect. And just for being able to explain to the listeners, as well as paint that picture, that disconnect continues right? That just mm-hmm. kind of continues in your life. So take us through whichever parts you want, where you share how that disconnect just continued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found myself again, not being consciously aware of it, but um, wanting to be that, that mold. Um, up, my upbringing was quite chaotic. Mm-hmm. And um, so I learned to like pee, please and appease and kind of control the outside world that was going around me because it felt very unsafe and very uncertain. And I also learned to start to don masks and want to be like other people. So I would be accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, I idolized my sister. I want to be just like her. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result, I became more and more disconnected from myself. So um and then as a result of becoming more and more disconnected, I just, I just completely lost who I was, right? And it felt so unsafe to be in my physical body that I would do everything in my power to numb out. Yeah. And explain what numb out means. Because there's, there's no person right now who won't 
can't relate to what numb out is. And especially in this time pandemic, there's whatever that is, that is something that everybody does on some level, even just your phones, right? Like this is that this whole, this whole piece of it is what we do to numb, to avoid feeling whatever else is going on. What did numb out mean for you? Yeah. So numb out for me was, and is still, cause I'm cognizant of it. Um, when I was that little girl, I didn't feel safe in my physical body. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also wasn't really taught how to feel. I believe as a society, we aren't taught how to feel. No. And also in my family, I wasn't really taught how to feel. And so whenever these big confusing emotions would come up, I wasn't able to identify what it was, but I felt that it didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel safe. I felt very uncertain. So I would go to growing up. I spent a lot of time by myself. So um, my parents turned to food. So I modeled their behavior. I turned to food. So I would come home after school by myself and I would start to emotionally eat. So that was one form of numbing. Mm-hmm. which then turned to um, my eating disorder that I had for 18 years. I was bulimic uh, for 18 years. Uh, so that was a huge form of numbing. But, you know, if, if I were to really identify what numbing is, it's just not wanting to feel these feelings, these big emotions that are coming up that are quite confusing, mm-hmm. can be very overpowering and overwhelming. Um, so, yeah, it's just, finding anything and everything to not feel these big things that are going on that we're experiencing. Thank you for sharing that. And that is, it's so good because I think that's the piece that people don't like, we have to stop and look about where we're not feeling and we think that's protective, right? It's, it's a protective type mechanism, but it ends up, I think almost exacerbating the feelings. We're allowing them to grow in a way because we're not dealing with them. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard when we don't, it's hard to make sense of feelings when we can't make sense of them. Like we can't understand what's happening. And especially if you're carrying that trauma from such a young age, it's just layered upon layer of things. That's just really confusing and difficult for us to figure out. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, humans, we crave certainty, right? So we do. We'll do everything in our power to find that certainty in our life, even though it may be, I don't like the word self-sabotage, it, but it, it, you know, Mastin taught me this. It's um, a form of protection, right? So we're mm-hmm. not self-sabotaging ourselves or self-protecting. But so by going to food or alcohol or drugs or social media or whatever, you know, shopping, whatever it is that we're using to numb our pain or to numb our feelings, it's a form of protection. And it's what we know, it's familiar, it's that space of certainty, right? Mm-hmm. So when we start to feel things that are uncertain, like sadness, or grief, or anger, or fear, that doesn't feel safe, even though it's healthy to feel these feelings, we go back to that space of certainty, which is these patterns of self-protection to keep, keep us in that space of certainty. I I love that you painted that picture the way that you did. And I think it's, um, I think it's so powerful. It's funny because we've gone through the same program and as with our NLP. And one of the things that um, I did in a breakthrough session was I, in my head, I do crave certainty. I definitely crave it. Humans do. I really do. 
but it's so funny because everything I do is the exact opposite of certainty, like everything that I do. So when I actually went through the, the exercise and looked at my values, like certainty wasn't even on the chart. So it's funny that in my brain, I'm like, I'm always searching for certainty, yet I don't make decisions based on certainty at all. And it was a really eye-opening moment for me. And I'm like, okay, I hear you, but I don't understand why I do that. And one of the things that came back and was said to me was the fact that because I had lived with so much trauma over the years that my brain, I perceive that certainty is safety. That's the, and I'm looking for safety. So I just, I just want to share that and see if you have any thoughts on it. Cause I found it really fascinating. I'm like, wait, I crave it all the time, but I don't actually, because I don't make any decisions based on it. So it's just a really interesting dynamic and in how we are searching for things outside that we think we want, but we're actually not responding in that manner. If that makes any sense, what I just said. Oh, it totally does. A hundred percent. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to, where, where came, where did a point come for you that you went, all right, doing things this way is not working. Mm-hmm. I, I, there, there's always that tipping point or that turning point. And usually it's a, I, a lot of times I say, it's like on the floor, ugly moment. It's like, I, I, I just can't do this anymore this way. But what did that turning point look like for you? If you can take us to just that point so that we can see where the transition started to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward through my adolescence. Uh, again, I experienced uh, sexual trauma when I was 19. Um, just after that, I started my training in nursing school. And so intuitively, I knew that I had to let go of my eating disorder. It just wasn't serving me yet. It was what all I knew, right? It was right. In my safety. Uh, I went to, uh, my sister tried to get me into a, a space uh, for, um, an eating disorder clinic that mm-hmm. had 11 beds. I wasn't, um, sorry, it's, 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 a, it's, it's still pretty tender Don't, in my heart. It's, apologize. It's what motivates my work. Yeah. Um, but they said that my eating disorder wasn't significant enough. So you can imagine what that did to that poor little girl inside. I almost would rather say there's no room available than that, because that subconsciously, that's also the message that I'm not bad enough for Mm -hmm. to receive help. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That is just, that's that's terrible. Yeah. So you can imagine what that did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, I spiraled even more out of control and uh, in the glimpses of trying to separate myself from my eating disorder, I would then turn to like binge shopping or binge partying, like doing anything to get out of my physical body because it did not feel safe. Mm-hmm. Then fast forward. So I completed my nursing and um, I wasn't applying for work. So my dad asked me why I was not applying for work. And that's when I was like, I broke down. It was like my, you know rock bottom moment, if you will. And I just said, you know, I can't help anybody until I help myself. Wow. Yeah. So then I went to my first therapist and he actually rejected me as well and said that my eating disorder was too significant and that he wasn't able to support me with that. So again, the spiral just kept going, 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 going. And so I just, you know, I I started my path when I was about 20, 21 um, 
but it, it was it was pretty intense and it um was it was a huge a huge piece as to why I just I kind of just gave up hope you know I had ongoing suicidal ideation I didn't want to be here any longer I just you know I felt so alone so disconnected so misaligned so alienated mm-hmm. um and then I kept receiving the intuitive hits that there was more that I wasn't able to identify what it was, but that is what led me on to my path. I was working with counselors, which were amazing. However, it wasn't until I started working with my own energy healers and coaches, believe it or not, that's when my transformation really started to begin. Because I found when I was going to counseling and therapy, if I didn't want to speak my truth that day, I didn't. I lied, right? Because it's like, how are you feeling? Well, I don't really know how I'm feeling today, you know? And then I started working with a coach and that's when things started to become really clear. And I was able to start to move beyond my trauma, move beyond my addictions, move beyond that hurt and that feeling of being a complete alien and feeling so alone and feeling just just so disconnected. And so that's kind of where my journey began is when I started working with my own coach. And I've been working with energy healers for a very long time. Uh, hypnotherapy, these have all been huge pieces of my journey. And then uh, I found Kundalini Yoga. I re-found Kundalini Yoga. Uh, I did it when I was, um, I can't remember how old I was when I was younger. And then I re-found it. And that all the combination of working with our subconscious mind and really releasing it on a somatic level through Kundalini Yoga and um, working with the coaches to really, you know, yes, heal through what I've been through, but also move beyond all that. So those have been huge pieces of where, what has gotten me from where I was in that really. <sighs> yep. Take your breath. Like, honestly, thank yeah. you so much for sharing all of that with us. Um, I think, I think that's the other piece for people to recognize is that sometimes, you know, to get to a space of, seeing that, yes, I think I want to see a counselor or yes. Like that's a step. That's a big step. I, I was there. And then all of a sudden I remember going to counseling and going, this isn't it. Like, I just know this is not hit on any counselor. So I just knew I didn't, I'm very much like, let's action wise. What can I do with this? I don't want to just sit and, and live in that space. I want to know how to move forward. And so, you know, you can get to a space of, looking and being open for counseling, but then there's also a space where it's like, okay, I want to do something more with it. And having a coach or a mentor for me is really when things started to change. I, I really helped me to see that, okay, I am not my story. Like my story is a part of me, but I am not that story. That is not who I am. It's part of me. And I think that that just shift made it made such a big difference in moving forward and how to create energy to get to where we are now, which is Essentially, so even when you were going through that counseling, then coaching and mentoring, did you have a vision of what you've created now? Like, did you like, because I mean, really in the beginning part was just probably you doing work for yourself to create change. But now all of a sudden it's that you've built this thriving business to support others. What did that transition look like? Well, it's funny. Uh, I have this little picture of myself 
Mm-hmm. When I was probably four years old, oh. I'm on the phone sitting cross-legged on my bed or my parents' bed. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been called Ann Landers my whole life. I've always been on the phone, connecting with my friends, supporting them, supporting my family. And I was always told that I would be a great coach or not coach. That wasn't really a term back then, counselor or therapist. Mm-hmm. But I just was like, no, 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 that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I started working with my own coach and had such incredible breakthroughs. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling the tap, you know, I'm receiving. And so that's what really inspired me to get into the work that I facilitate today. Did it come naturally? Uh, yes. Did I resist it? A hundred percent. I really was like, no, that's again, our light, right? So I just, ask you. I just yeah, I just kept dimming my light, kept dimming my light. And the more I kept dimming my light, the more self-destructive I became because my intuition, my soul was guiding me, yet I wasn't listening to her guidance. And so I, I continued to want to just self-destruct in whatever way I possibly could. Do you think that a lot of people do that in the fact that like when we are avoiding our life, that we do tend to self-destruct? It's not just a, It's not just an isolated that I'm avoiding that. It's that we fight everything to mm-hmm. go in that direction. hundred percent. Yeah. I believe, you know, our resistance is our greatest teacher, right? Mm-hmm. There's this resistance here for a reason. And the more resist the quote persists, right? But the more you lean into that resistance and really ask what it is here to teach you, the more we'll be set free. And that is where our light resides is when we can really lean into that and heal through that resistance and trust that it's guiding us in the right direction. Wow. There's, there's so much that you just said right there that I think is so beautiful and so powerful. And, um, I want to just dive a little bit so people can understand and relate what, how can you sense when there's resistance and how do you break it down as far as what, like, what do you do when you feel the resistance and how do you stop and recognize it and not let it stop you. Mm-hmm. So I believe, um, you know, I'm, I'm, as long as I'm in alignment with my values and my beliefs, that's when things, and I'm acting in that space of alignment from my values and beliefs, that's when I'm really on path and on purpose. Mm-hmm. And when I start to sway and start to, oh, I don't need to do my meditation today. I don't need to do my sadhana daily practice, or I don't need to go for a long enough hike today. That's when things start to, that's where the resistance is sneaking in. And it's not necessarily to do with my sadhana, my daily spiritual practice, or my hike, or my, you know, physical movement. It's due to the bigger picture of what I have going on that I'm creating. And it's just setting the stone. Okay, well, if, if we kind of sway off here and don't show up for ourselves in our morning practice and we don't show up for ourselves here, then you don't need to create that course that you have inside of you. You don't need to write that book that you have inside of you. You don't need to share your message on podcasts like you are doing, right? So Mm -hmm. it's that's when the red flags start to pop up, right? So if you find yourself, for me, if I find myself still wanting to go binge which it could be just on blueberries it's like okay it's that's my signpost what's out of alignment here what am I resisting what is feeling uncomfortable in my in my life right now that I'm choosing to go outside of myself to numb Mm -hmm. right because oftentimes what I've learned is it's not now it's not necessarily always the feelings or emotions that I'm wanting to numb out from 
it's my light that I'm wanting to memo from. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's so many things. So I'm just going to keep saying that because that was there. There's just so much gold nuggets there. And I love that it's, we're actually numbing out from our light and looking at it that way. I, I, I joke and I tell this with clients all the time. You do have to find something that works for you with resistance. And every time resistance pops up for me, um, it tends to play itself out in being really hard on myself, like being super, super hard on myself because I'm not doing what I think I should be, whatever any of that means. And so I've learned to, as soon as I see the resistance or feel it, I usually, I, I actually flip it a lot into laughing. And I laugh at myself and it's because I used to be like, how can you be here again? This is ridiculous. But now I'm like, wow, look at how often that shows up. Look at how often that is here. Did you see that show up before you even? And so it's funny. I treat her, I call her with humor because if not, I can get so wrapped up into the resistance and frustration with myself that that just keeps me stuck. So anybody who's listening, I invite you to recognize where that resistance shows up and find a way that is not your default to greet the resistance because you have to be creative with different ways of doing it. Yes, it's so true. And a great question to ask is for what purpose is this resistance here, right? Because it's always here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Again, it's trying to keep us. So when we grow and expand and, you know, take our lives to the quote unquote next level, guess what? We're going to face more and more resistance, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. for what purpose is this resistance here? Oh, you're trying to keep me safe. You're trying to keep me protected. You're trying to keep me small, right? It's okay to shine your light. It's okay to be seen, right? So, yes. yes. Yeah. There's so much there. Thank you for sharing that because I know so many people are going to be able to relate to that. So you work through a lot of those steps and then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but you hit a point where you're like, maybe I'm supposed to do something with this. Mm-hmm. What was that? what was that aha moment like, or when did it happen and how did it start to unfold for you? Mm -hmm. Well, it happened about five years ago when I did my first uh, uh, coaching certification. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I traveled to Costa Rica quite a bit. And so I always uh, had a vision of hosting retreats there, but I was like, Oh no, you know, one day I'll do that. Or you know, other people can do that, but I would never be able to do that. Like that was a huge vision of mine that I never thought would ever come to fruition. And when I did my coach training, um, again, it was, it was such a pivotal moment for me where I was really able to tap into my innate gifts and really connect to my soul's purpose. And that has been my guiding light because I still, as I shared, and you can feel mm-hmm. my, through my story, like the pain that I felt right? And like, I just made a promise to myself that I would do everything in my power to ensure that no one else would feel that deep of pain that I once had. And that depth of feeling so alone, you know, and feeling so alienated. So that has been like my sole purpose to really, I understand that we are all here to experience what we're experiencing. But if I can make your journey a little bit smoother, and more safe, and to invite the healing in, in that beautiful container, like that is what has been my motivation. So Mm. to tie back into that, um, I think just through holding space for others and really bearing witness to their transformation, that has just been 
reaffirming what my gifts are and has slowly built up my confidence. If you were to know me <laughs> in my younger years, I, you wouldn't recognize who I am today, but it's just been that continuation of showing up for my light, showing up for my purpose and just building that muscle within myself so I can, I can show others the way along their healing journey and show them what's possible for them. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's beautiful. When you can make that journey about others and not yourself, that is such a turning point that I think once you cross that point, there's almost no going back. It's it, it, there is no going back. I don't, I, I vividly remember being in a space where a mentor said to me, but what if this isn't for you anymore? Like, what if this isn't for you? What if this is for someone else? What if this is to pay it forward? As soon as the, what if started to become outside of me, it was like, okay, there's meaning. This gives me this, like, it was just this momentum. And every time I feel stuck, I promise you a lot of it is because I'm making it about me. Yes. A hundred percent. I could not agree more with you. It yeah. is. Yeah. The more we make it about ourselves, the more, you know, we stay in that place of stagnant being stagnant. Right. But the more we make it about others, like I often say, stop being so selfish, you know, stop being so stingy. Like this, you are, you have these gifts to offer, like share them with others. Right. So, yeah, Yeah. I, I actually said something, I think I posted this morning, but it was like, if you don't look back at your past work and laugh at yourself, then you're waiting way too long to, to start. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, I look back at some of my stuff. I'm like, wow, that video was bad. <laughs> like it was, but I, I love her for it. I trust me. I, I, she showed up and she, she did it, but I look at it and I'm like, okay, wow. That would never match today's standards, but it's also beautiful at the same time. Right. It's beautiful. Oh. You, it doesn't have to be perfect to start. And in fact, mm-hmm. I think perfection is such a wrong thing to chase on so many levels, because I think really believe that people who are looking to create change in their life really want to connect with real people, like real people who share real stories. That's what I find that people, and I'm, I'm sure that is majority of the clients that you work with that gravitate towards you. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I remember when I first started speaking openly about my eating disorder, I had friends like, why are you talking about it? Like, why are you speaking about it? Like, and I was like, uh, I don't know. I just, I know that I have to, like, it's part of like the more I speak about my story, yes, it heals me as a result, but it's showing others what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. And we take that shame away from who, we, who we've who we been in our past, what our experiences have been. It takes that away, right? And it takes that power away over our story, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a part of us. So let's embrace it, right? So 100%, 100%. Yeah. So what excites you the most about what you do now? With your client. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I am just every day I wake up and I just feel so blessed for the work that I get to facilitate. Holding space for others and just to just really love on them and just to create that safe container for them to show up and really, you know, my whole work that I facilitate is all about release, heal, alchemize, and ascend. So taking them on that path to release the things that have been holding them captive, keeping them that place of safety and stagnancy, and to invite that healing in and then ultimately bring in that transformation. And just to bear witness to that is just second to none. You know, it's just, it's such a powerful 
experience for both my clients and myself because it's we all have these gifts we all have this power within us right and it's really coming back into our truth Mm -hmm. and releasing all the old programming and all the old belief systems that aren't necessarily our own and really allowing ourselves to be in that space of soul alignment right really really coming home to who we are really and why we're here that is the ultimate goal so to support people in that container is just the best, the absolute best. That is beautiful. You guys can't see it right now, but her face is totally lit up. She's absolutely loving this. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Can you tell the listeners, what does it mean to alchemize? What does that mean? Yeah, transformation. Mm -hmm. So going from one space of where you're feeling stuck and stagnant into the space of just pure transformation of, you know, releasing the old identities, you know, excavating through the old stories, the old beliefs, all that stagnant energy and really coming home to who you are, who you've always been mm-hmm. and who you've forgotten along the way. So thank you for sharing that. And also I love how you've said like release, heal, alchemize and ascend. I think mm-hmm. of even in myself in my past journey and a lot of people that I know, like sometimes the focus is how do I heal? How do I heal? What do I do? But if you don't release the parts that aren't serving you, you can't fully heal. And without the healing, you can't do the transformation. So it's interesting how it really is all part of it. And trying to do one of the pieces isolated is not going to create lasting results. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Yeah. It's, and that's why it's, it's vital to create that real, real healing container to invite all the pieces in, right? Um, Because oftentimes when we begin our journey, it can feel uncomfortable, right? It doesn't feel familiar. So it's like, that's when we can really just be like, no, I don't want to do this. This doesn't feel safe, right? But in all reality, it is safe. It's just learning to release all the things that have been clouding your existence Mm -hmm. from really tapping into your truth, right? And, And really connecting to just this beautiful soul that's been with you your entire life, but has just been disconnected due to traumatic events and experiences and, you know, just the, the molding of what society has told us how we should be and how we shouldn't be and, mm-hmm. and all the things. Right. Well, I, yes, I appreciate you saying that. And I so honor when people step in and do the hard work because there's so many people who need support and help with the hard work. I also know that if you're not strong with your own boundaries, that can be challenging to do that kind of work. How do you protect your own energy when you are supporting clients who are going through and sharing very, very difficult stories? How do you protect your own energy? Mm -hmm. Well, I have sacred rituals that I um, really, I'm adamant about offering this before my clients and after my clients but in the morning I don't have clients until 11 a.m and that's where I really fill up my energy so I am doing my daily practice spiritual practice I'm going outside and moving my body with my dogs going for a nice big hike and then um, I utilize just different um, healing tools to support so just putting on like an energetic cloak zipping myself up protecting me energetically mm-hmm. I use essential oils I have crystals and um, after each session I just in my mind I say I release you I release you I release you always with love right always holding space 
Um, and at the end of the day, I just, again, use some sort of smudging, Palo Santo, just to clear the energy and to release everything to Mother Earth with love and just to hold space for their own healing, right? So to invite that invitation for them to be able to hold space for themselves. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because I think that if you're, and again, anyone who's listening, if you're going to do this kind of work, then it absolutely requires boundaries on your part in order to be able to maintain, right? Because we also, we want to, when we're putting good out there and we're on the focus point of helping others with their stories, with their traumas, like we want to be able to do this for a long term and not a case of like, I go in deep for three months and now I'm burnt out and I can't do it anymore. So it's that long-term recognizing. And I love how sharing your practices I can't tell you how many people I interview on this podcast and people I connect with that they say, I don't even see clients until 10 a.m. or until 11 11 a.m. I just don't because I I pour into me first so that I can do the kind of work that I do out there. So I I love that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's essential. So you've also built, it's fair to say, like you've built a successful coaching practice. But I want to just emphasize to people that you pour into yourself first and that allows you to pour into your business. So do you have signs where you recognize yourself that it's like, okay, this is not the right direction or I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I'm in a space where maybe I'm not self-sabotage. It's not it that I'm not putting myself first or anything like that. Do you have times? Are you just really good with knowing your own boundaries and sticking to it? Oh, <laughs> no, boundaries have been a very uh, ongoing, it's been an ongoing journey. You know, I mean, I was so codependent growing up. Mm-hmm. So I, I lacked boundaries, like I wanted to please and appease and put everyone else's needs before my own. So I didn't even understand what a boundary was. So now, even it's funny that you brought that up because yesterday I was like, oh, there's more boundaries that I'm like, there's, you know, these energy leaks. So I'm like, I really get crystal clear on where my energy leaks are mm-hmm. and ap- apply boundaries in all those areas. So um, when I first started coaching, I, I didn't have boundaries. So I gave mm-hmm. my clients my phone number. I uh, started clients at 9 a.m. And, you know, it was just like I would get up, do something quick, and then just attend to my clients. And then I realized I was getting really burnt out, right? Mm-hmm. And I... I knew all the things to protect my energy, but I wasn't applying them because I was like, it was, it was really fascinating. So fast forward to today, um, I've really learned that it's an essential piece to have firm boundaries because it allows other people that you're setting the whole healthy boundaries for to create their own mm-hmm. inner work as well. Right. So yeah, boundaries uh, within my business has been a really interesting lesson on so many levels. And um, yeah, I'm still looking to see how I can implement more. Oh, I, yes, I love you. I love that you've said that because I think that that is just where I was learning boundaries and levels. I really got to a space of understanding my own personal life really well. And then with family or with, you know, relationship, they really good on boundaries and teach on it. I do all those things, but boundaries in business has been a new level for me. It's been a new Mm -hmm. level, completely uh, being transparent. And it's like, okay, if you can't implement boundaries in a third of your life, 
and, and not address them on the other two thirds and expect it to go smoothly. They have some bearing in all areas of our life. And I think that has been an eye opener for me. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I've now implemented even, um, I mean, working from home is <laughs> yes. a challenge in its own, in, in its own right. Yes. It's a blessing. Um, but you know, we can spend all day in our offices if, if we aren't cognizant of it. Right. So yes. very easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I'm cognizant. Okay. My hours are 11 to six. And once it's six o'clock, then I close the door. Mm-hmm. I do my best. I'm not saying that I have mastered that, but I'm doing my best at that. And I also now have my phone on do not disturb from 9 p.m. till 10 a.m. So, um, yeah, so it's just really setting these boundaries in all areas of my life. But it's also interesting, like, um, you know, say, say you're choosing to fuel your body, you know, with healthy foods and not necessarily following a diet, right? But following a regime that feels really aligned for you. Mm-hmm. And then say you go to a friend's house or uh, you're invited to go somewhere and, and then you just get persuaded to kind of fall off that regime. Yes, there's balance. I'm not saying that. But if, if, if we're letting these energy leak happen in these small little pieces of our life, where else, again, we're training our mind that if I create this lack of a boundary here, Mm-hmm. then then I can create a lack of a boundary here. And then all of a sudden we have all these energy leaks created and we wonder why we're so exhausted and we're so drained. And it's like, oh, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Just like the resistance in their daily, you know, meditation practice or hiking. Oh, well, if we lack the boundaries in these little significant areas, then it's just going to create this domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really fascinating. It's so good. Thank you for saying that. I'm such a visual person. And so whenever I think of boundaries, I think of like a sieve, like where you're, there's actual holes, like physical holes. And I look at it and go, okay, where are the holes? It's like, oh my God, like, look at all these multiple holes that I am. And it's not about beating myself up. I look at it and go, they're there. I'm doing this. So I'm the only person who can plug these holes again. So where am I going to start by plugging the holes? And it's just recognizing that how important boundaries are for us to be the best version of ourselves. I say there, I've called them all the time. They're our highest form of self-respect is our boundaries. And we teach people how to treat us. So it's up to us to decide to stick to them and honor them consistently. Yes. Mm-hmm. So true. So, so much. True. We could do a whole episode just on that. So right now, what are some of the ways that clients can work with you if they're listening to this and they're saying, oh my gosh, this is, she is speaking my language. What are some of the things that you offer and do with your clients now? Well, when I was sharing, when you asked about my journey in coaching, so I always had that vision of hosting retreats in Costa Rica. So I'm so happy to share, well, due to COVID, I haven't been, but yeah. uh, I host retreats in Costa Rica now annually. The next one will be November 2022 mm-hmm. uh, because us Canadians here have some serious roles. So um, I'm going to leave that one right there because any we'll of my fellow Canadians, they hear me. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So that's really retreat life is the best life. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach Kundalini yoga and meditation, which is my absolute jam as well. And then of course I do my one-on-one which is, you know, my soul's purpose. That is my life's work. So uh, I also, because of COVID, I pivoted to the online platform. Again, it's been a blessing in disguise. So now I host 
uh, bi-annually at Sacred Sister Circle. It's a spiritual mastermind, mm. uh, virtual retreat. So the next one will be coming up in November. Right now we're in the middle of our second cohort, but cohort three will be in November. So beautiful, beautiful. I love all that. We'll make sure everything is connected in the show notes for people to know where to reach you. Um, you're very powerful with your writing. So I just want to say that right there because I always attract, like I, I definitely like my radar goes to people who share in a very transparent way. And your, your writing is beautiful when you share on, um, on Instagram, I see it and I just love it. So I wanted to honor that. And I also know that you are in the process and put you on the spot for a second. You're in the process of writing your book, right? Is that correct? I am. I am. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yes, I am the process. It's been an interesting journey to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, I'm really excited about it and I'm really excited to share it with the world. So Beautiful. who knows when that, what that day will be, but I'm definitely, um, every day I'm getting up and writing in my book and, um, Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a very healing journey and it is a massive growth journey. And every time I write, I say, I'm not ever doing that again. That is so much work Mm. yet. Then comes the next thing. And I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. And I just follow, right. My gut says, no, do that. So I just do it. And then it's like, Oh, you said you wouldn't do this again, (laughs) but I, it's very powerful. And if you feel called just like anything else you're doing, right. If you feel called to do it, there's a reason you're being called to do it. Mm Hmm. Hundred percent. Yeah, I've been I've been receiving the tap for the last three years to write this book, and uh, it's been a very slow process. But um, yeah, it's it's I'm excited for it to be birthed. That's for sure. Beautiful. It's funny because it can be a very slow process, and then all of a sudden, it can be very fast downloads. Like it can actually. Mm-hmm. It can, you can exponentially move through a book because when you stay open, sometimes the downloads are so fast that it's like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And then all of a sudden you just go. So you never know how fast that thing's going to come out of you, but I, I just want to commend you. And I wanted to shout that out because I know you're working on it right now. I have Thank a couple you. quick, oh, you're welcome. I have a couple quick questions for you. Um, first thing I want you to share, what does the word ownership mean to you and how, how is that a, how is that an important word in your life? Hmm. Ownership. That for me, I don't know if I use the word ownership, but you know, if I were to, re- like, if I were to rephrase it in, in terms of, I would say personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So really taking personal responsibility for how, I choose to show up for myself every single day. So that would be, I guess, how I would identify with ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's like I do my best. Well, I have many friends that say that I walk my talk. So that to me is ownership. It is. Because 100%. Yeah. I can't, I have no right doing the work that I'm doing if I'm not doing the work within my own self first. Right. And I would never ask anyone to do the work unless I'm doing it within myself first. So that to me is ownership, walking my talk and yeah, just taking personal responsibility. I think it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I love that definition, how you explained that. Um, I want to know, I, I know you've said it, but I really want you to wrap it up in a sense to say, what impact do you personally want to create in the world? Oh, 
I feel that we all have these innate gifts that we've been born with and we are such powerful beings and, you know, the light, the world needs our light more so than ever. And so it is my soul's purpose, my absolute mission to hold space, to invite that healing in for others so they can really come back home to themselves, their truth, who they are really, why they're here and ignite the light so others can see them, right? Mm -hmm. So they can share their innate gifts with the world because we need all the lights, all the lights (laughs) activated. We do. We absolutely do. I love that. And I love that you're inspiring people to do that because we need it now more than ever, especially in a time where people feel very helpless or not heard, that it mm-hmm. can sometimes almost lead the message to get even smaller, which is not what we need right now. Like, it's just not what we need. We need more people standing up to share in respectful ways, right? It's an, yeah. it's, you know, in still in very respectful ways, there's always room for differing opinions, but we still have to be respectful to each other. I, that's where a part of I feel this is a little bit of my Brene Brown coming out in me right now. I feel like as humans, we're losing, we're losing some empathy to understand that this, this time in our life has impacted so many people differently. And we've kind of dropped into like, mine's bad. Hers isn't as bad. His isn't as bad. Like she has nothing to complain about yet. It's this whole cycle of judgment is all we're doing. And it's, Mm -hmm. I feel like we've lost part of that empathy in the sense that everybody's impact been impacted in some way, shape or form this past year. Every single person has been impacted Mm -hmm. in a different way. And I wish we could just create space that allowing that to just be as it is. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. I often find too, uh, what I hear is that a lot of my clients are comparing themselves like, Oh, I, I don't have it as bad as other people. So I shouldn't feel this way. I haven't experienced as much trauma. So I, you know, why can't I just figure it out? Right. But I think it's so important that as humans, you know, whatever experiences we've had in our lives are impacting us in either a positive or a negative way. And that can't take away what that experience is for us as individuals. Right. Mm. So just because someone has had significant trauma in their lives doesn't take away the experiences and the trauma that you've had. Right. So taking away the judgment, taking away the comparing, like it's all about that loving awareness and being in that space to hold space for yourself. Right. A hundred percent. I love it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Love it. Last question I have for you is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh my goodness. What lesson? you know, I had, when I was nursing, I kept getting nursing is a beautiful career and is so needed. And, you know, it has been a part of my journey for 18 years, but I kept getting the intuitive hit that like, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I kept getting the nudges. I kept getting the intuitive hits. And it wasn't until like, I was having full blown anxiety attacks at work and outside of work, that that's where like the four by four came smack across my head. It's like, wake up. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. There's more for you. Again, not taking away nursing from anybody whatsoever. Um, But 
there's more work for you to be doing. And if you aren't going to be listening to these gentle nudges and taps, we're going to show you until you finally surrender and listen to, you know, what it is that you are here to do. So that's probably it. Yeah. I, I thank you for sharing that. Cause I always say like the universe will nudge you, nudge you, nudge you until finally it'll just smack you. And sometimes it knocks you right out of the knees. And it's like, I have been telling you over and over as the only way that I can, that this isn't it. This is not yeah. it. There's more for you and more work that you have to do. So, you know, it's amazing how many, I'm not surprised the least bit, but how many um, people I interview here and they tend to refer to the point, the lesson in life they're most grateful for was usually a low point in their life where it was that turning point. It was a turning point to say, okay, this is not how I'm going to do it anymore. So it's, it's amazing when we can get to a space of being grateful for those low points and realize that they're happening for us to move us into a different direction. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pivotal moment in my life. That's for sure. Yeah. That thank you so much for sharing that and for everything that you shared. Honestly, Megan, it was beautiful conversation. You have so much to offer and how you're impacting people, especially in this area of trauma. It's so desperately needed. And I thank you for all the work that you do. Oh, thank you so much. I am receiving that. And uh, yeah, I am today very grateful for my, my life everything that has brought me here today it didn't come naturally to be grateful but um i am very grateful for what has led me to where i am today mm-hmm. um and to be able to hold space for others on their journey to re- return home to themselves and their truth mm-hmm. so beautiful thank you so much Aww, thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.